0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify.
3: Hello and welcome, I'm Adam Thornton and this is Talking Ted's Heart and Hands Roundtable discussion show which looks at the key topics being discussed by the Rangers support. Tonight's show will be a look back on Rangers start to the season, we are just about a quarter of the way into the season, Uh, we're now in the second international break so it seems as good a time as any to look back a little bit. Joining me tonight we have David Edgar.
4: Hello everyone.
3: We've got Ross Hutton.
5: Hi everyone, how are we doing?
3: And we have Laura Lothian.
5: Hello, everybody.
3: Thank you all for joining me. Um, OK, I'm going to start with an opening question. So let me paint you a picture, David. If Alan Bradley appeared out of the sky in a flying DeLorean and handed you the (laughs) Rangers 21-22 sports almanac, all it had in it were the results from the start of this season up till now, plus the league and Europa League tables. As they currently stand, it doesn't give you any other context or information. Would you have taken it
4: domestically? Probably with slight disappointment because obviously there's a defeat and a home draw in there, but with the sensible realization that you, you know that happened and what we saw last season was a freak, was record breaking. You know, it isn't something we see every year, um, still i would be a bit disappointed but there are big big wins there against uh celtic and Hibs. europe no europe has not gone well and there is no point trying to to dress that up now we're not in a, a you know we're not out of the the group stage yet uh that's that's pretty clear but we are i think in a stage where no room for maneuver um which isn't a position that this team has been cast a big spell over us at the start of the season. I don't care, you know, what anybody says. It, it hurt us as fans, it hurt the club, and it hurt I think the players, because I think they had really looked forward to this opportunity to, to get to the Champions League. And and again, you know, you you look at the sides who beat us they're sides that we certainly or, or the side who beat us, and then the team who were lying in wait—they are certainly teams that I don't think it's unreasonable for us to feel that we could and probably should have beaten. So that was disappointing, and I think it it, it did cast a pole over the start of the season. However, uh, credit where it's due to the side—it has recovered um, to you know it's still in the cup, looking forward to semi-final. It sits at the top of the league, and to be fair to this season, when it has mattered, they have found a way to dig it out domestically, you have to say that. The Dundee United performance was poor and I think was in a particularly poor period um, when we were just struggling to get anything going whatsoever. And then the Motherwell game was a bit of a freak-in that we should have absolutely had that game put to bed before we did. But each time that there's been, I think, the threat of it getting into something heavy in terms of the mood or the feeling... They have dug out a result, which is, you know, a cliche that we use, but it's true. Which is a sign of a a confident team, the confidence that comes from having crossed the line, the confidence that comes from being the champions, and I think that that's a a mental strength, Adam, that we maybe didn't, no, well, we certainly haven't possessed since Walter. So I'd say at the moment, you know, it's 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 fine, and I'm happy enough we were set domestically, but. Anyone who says that they're not slightly disappointed by going out the Champions League. We were then pretty fortunate with the standard aside we were up against to get through to the Europa League. And
3: now in the
4: Europa League, we're pretty close to the must win situation, I think.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. Um Laura? No context. Um, same question to you. Would Would you have been happy given everything David said there, given six points ahead of Celtic in the league, given semi finals of the cup, but out of uh Champions League and a pretty poor start in the Europa? Would you have have taken it at the start of the season?
1: I'm pretty much in the exact same boat as David. Um, f- the domestic performance is fine, um, but the Europa and the Champions League side, the things is massively disappointing. And the position we're in in the group, I think, is massively disappointing that we're literally another set of drop points away from it's the Conference League or nothing. Um, so I've not really got much to add other than I'm exactly the same. That I'm I'm totally disappointed with Europe, but fight, we're fine domestically as it stands.
3: Ross, anything different for you?
5: Yeah, I'd go along with what David and Laura said there. I mean, look, when you come off a season like we had last year, regression is inevitable. Whether we like it or not, we're just it's hitting a standard, a level of standard that, you know, it's just well above the mean. You can't really do much but come back from that. Having, having said that, we are only, I think, one point worse off in the league this year than what we were last year at the same point. So that's, that's not too bad, obviously, the defeated Undy United. Kind of mars that a wee bit. Didn't have that last season, but as I say, regression is somewhat inevitable on that front. The big thing is, is, has been Europe. That's a kind of big disappointment. And look, let's be honest. When have we had a European disappointment under this management team? We've not really. It's kind of just went from strength to strength. You think the sort of progression in Europe from just qualifying and being happy with that to then getting out the groups to then topping the groups and then doing what we've done the knockout stages. This is the first real campaign where it, it has been poor, and like that is the only word for it. We should have beaten That There is no other way of looking at it. We really should have, especially from the position we found ourselves in at halftime at Ibrooks. Inexcusable to go out from that position. And I think I think what you said earlier on, I think that does kind of sour the mood earlier on in the season. Look, That was a bad week, particularly because the Dundee United defeat was, was wedged in the middle of that. But from that point onward, the team always kind of felt as though they were trying to regain a bit of ground with the fans. Because we were all really annoyed and the scattergun came out at that point. But domestically, since then, I think it's been fine. Like performance levels haven't been where we want them to be, but I've got no doubt when disruption kinda allays a wee bit, we spoke about this on Extra Adam, I think that will come. I'm not particularly concerned about that at this moment in time. So domestically, I, I would take it, although with a couple of disappointments, Europe is the big the big kinda letdown for me so far in the season.
3: David, I am not convinced that comparing to last season is valid, and there's been two big comparisons for me, it's been 93, 94 and last season, just in terms of where we're at, context, themes, etc. However, what I think is quite interesting is the season before. I I personally, until I look back at this, had forgotten just how many points we accumulated in, in the first half of 1920. Um, in fact, you have to go to 25th of January um, 2020. Rangers had played 20 games in the league, won 17, drawn two and lost one. And we were still five points behind Celtic, albeit they had a game in hand. uh, Two games in hand, sorry. So, effectively what we're saying there is that in the next 12 games, Rangers can only afford to drop points in one of them to equal the start that we made to the 2019-20 campaign, which seems crazy now when you think about it. Yeah, I think that there is a limit
4: to how far you can compare seasons, because they are all different, the opposition changes, our squad changes, Um, but it's difficult not to support us because it's the only frame of reference that we have. So, you know, we've, we've all touched upon that acceptance that we have logically, which is, well, we weren't going to do what we did last season. And we know that logically. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt emotionally when we don't do that, because we've seen our team do that. And we loved it and we enjoyed it and we want to see it again. And that's certainly what you need to keep striving for. That's that's obviously what we want. 1920, we, we didn't have the squad to do it. We were in great form and then suddenly we weren't. And when it went, it went off a cliff. And no one, I think, will ever be able to fully explain why it went so badly wrong so quickly and so completely as it did that season um and again that's what it's difficult to compare because this is now a side and a management team more importantly who have experience of that who have experience of finding their way out of a dark a dark place which they didn't have then now i uh, the the main thing that has happened is is both a a blessing and a, a curse we are now the dominant side which is great and the opposition and again i i get some criticism from from fans for writing off the likes of hearts and Hibs, but I, i'm sorry i just can't tell you something i don't believe hearts and Hibs are not going to win the league they can beat us in an individual match absolutely they can have good seasons they can win a cup they can't win the league they won't win the league so it's us and celtic we are a much better side than we were then and celtic are a significantly worse side than they were then and i do think that that in a way becomes a double-edged sword because it Our our team had had always been striving to overcome the opposition. That was the the, the full three-year project when when Gerard arrived, Rodgers was there still in his pomp at Celtic. They did have a very good side. They they had a very good squad, much as it pains us to admit it. And we were chasing them, and and it was that determination. Each time we got that bit closer to them, you could sense the players getting in it. Now that's changed. They're chasing us, and they are a good bit away from us, in my opinion. And that has to affect you subconsciously. And again, this is something that people get quite annoyed about. When when you mention this, you say, well, they're professionals, they shouldn't do that. They're human beings. And human beings do do things where they think, I, I, can, you know, I, I don't decide I'm going to go into work and relax a little bit. But the challenge isn't quite the same. And this is about learning to manage a new challenge. This is about learning to manage the pressure of being champions. We've all spoken about Europe tonight. This is about my. This is another change that has to be learned to be managed. When we first got into the Europa League under Gerard season one, it was like, Holy shit, we never expected this. Season two, we got into it and we were doing really well, and we realised we could go out of it, we could qualify from it, and we were like, This is brilliant, overachievement. And even last season, there was a sense of, Yes, Europa League, big games, this is magic, we belong here, we proved it the last couple of years, we'll get through this again. This year, I felt because the Champions League was on offer, and we didn't make a we didn't make a dent at it. Ross is, is right. Then when we got to the Europa League, it was well. That's the consolation prize. It's not what it was before. It doesn't have that sense of wonder and excitement that the Champions League would have had, and the Europa League did have for us. And I think that's been reflected both in the performances from the players and even the reaction from the support. I think there is an element of a hey, Europa League again, and. That might be us, you know, and I'm sure there are people going to remember where we were just five years ago. All of that is true, but it's still human nature. And that's where the manager has to manage the expectation level changing. And it's a good thing it has because it shows he's been successful and he's raised the expectation levels. He's, he's raised the, the levels in Europe and he's, he's raised us domestically and the expectation changes. And now, instead of us hoping to do something, it's moved more to we expect us to do something. We demand that we do something. And that's different. That is a psychological thing that has to be managed and adapted. And he's got to find a way to do it. And, and you know, I think he will. And I think that I'm very heartened by the fact that domestically they are a side who, who show that even when they're not playing well, they can gut out and get results. I, I believe there's too much talent in the squad to play the way we've played all season. Um, so far to play it like that for the rest of the season so I think that you know you will see an improvement in performances as key players rediscover their form and that's why being in the position we're in right now I think is key because this would have been a period where if we were chasing a side we would say we can make up some ground on them early and now we've actually made a situation where it's the other title challengers who cannot drop now, they have that scoreboard pressure already, 6 points is big, if it goes to 8, 9 points then you're really getting out of trouble even this early in the season. And we we know this, we've found this. So I think that there are, as you say, a lot of a, a lot of things we can go back and look at and try to learn from the history of of this uh this team, this, you know, the, the team the managers built. But equally we do have to be aware that things change and mentalities change. And it's just about learning to adapt to the new surroundings mentally that you find yourself in. I think that's something that we're watching this team do. I have confidence there they are they are going to, but I do think it's something that, that we all need to be aware of because it's not just a team, it's us as fans as well.
3: I agree with the points aspect there. Are six points is, is decent, particularly after um, seven games it was I guess when, when that gap opened up. You only need to think back a couple of years or even probably three years before. If we were any number of points behind Celtic we would say about we've got two home games against them um, and you would just kind of assume that, that we would win them based on nothing that, that may be where they're at so while we have actual six points they're probably theoretically thinking they've got as good a chance to, to get that gap back um, Laura, David but, touched on something you, there. Sorry
4: to, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, you, you, play differ, you play differently when you're that six points behind. Yes. You force things and you rush things because you know you cannot afford to drop. We saw that I think with Celtic last season as well. That as soon as a gap opened up, they couldn't handle it. They, they had no experience of it. And, and it's they,
5: different as well. Sorry, it's different as well for us as fans when that happens. We've all sat in Ibrox over the last kind of couple of seasons before we won the league, and you sent that desperation just pours onto the pitch and you know as much as we want it it doesn't actually create a healthy atmosphere because you want it so much and you need the points so badly and you know you can't afford to slip up see that motherwell game a couple of weeks ago we drew one each it was a pain in the arse right but that's all it was it wasn't a catastrophe see a couple of years ago if you're thinking Christ, we're already four or five points behind Celtic week. We can't afford to drop any more here. Then that atmosphere changes completely compared to the, right, that was an annoyance, but we need to kind of go again, attitude that I think we kind of adopted for it. So I think that's another attitude change that we've had as fans so far as well, because I didn't sense the same kind of desperation or vitriol that I probably would have a couple of years ago had that
3: result been the same. No, I think you're right. I think things would turn, even last year, um, if if we'd had the Hibs or Livingston results at home, um, you seen the reaction after the Livingston result last year? Early doors, I think. If that was at Ibrox, it would have been maybe more slightly more toxic than it than it would be this year, but certainly on a par with the year before. If anything had happened, Laura. Um, that expectations point that that David raised, I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, expectations increase every year. We're, we're fans. We we have the right to to dream. As David mentioned, the Champions League is is on offer. You want to go and do it. That's that's where we think we should. We should be, um, maybe not every year realistically, but certainly every every couple of years of when the chance comes to us. However, in any walk of life, y- you have um, human beings who, by nature, at some point in their week, month, year, will do just enough to get by or just a little bit more than enough to, to get by. Not necessarily coasting, but had a pretty arduous time last year, uh, went for it, huge mental release. Is it fair of us to accept that, that that possibly some of the players aren't not necessarily coasting but some of them are quite happy being champions they're not terrible but they're, they're doing just enough to get by in some instances and because of that there's going to be situations as we've seen with Motherwell for example or Dundee United where we maybe take an eye off the ball a little bit I'm not saying is it is it fair but can you see that as being a potential
1: I personally know that a professional athlete cannot be at a hundred percent of their level all the time, and there is times where they are just going to want to coast and get by, and just hopefully get out with the points. So, like I can accept it like if occasionally, but I couldn't accept it if it was like at the same players not putting in the effort every single game, and like for example, like Ryan Kent's not been his best this season. And we've obviously I found that that's due to an injury that he's had. But he it always looked like he was trying. It just wasn't coming off for him.
3: Yeah, that's fair. No, that is fair. I think when you can when you can tell that someone is trying and it's just not going the right way, then um, I, I completely agree that the fans will give give a little bit more there. Ross, I want to come to you on that that 2019, 2020 and twenty one twenty one comparison. Um. Twenty nineteen, although, although as we said here, the, the performances look the results sorry are are great. Um it, it did have that feel like you mentioned there that any slip up and, and there would be toxicity or it'd be another failed uh failed season. And I don't know if if that then transmits down to the players. And you think um as I said, twenty fifth of January, um we've played twenty games. However, we've played another fourteen in the uh, europe and well we got to the league Cup final so four four games in that we played 38 games by that point and it felt like we had to go to the well in a, a large majority of them and dig deep and get results last season not so much we obviously played less games we only had three qualifiers as opposed to to eight um and I, I think from memory the, the league cups were probably a little bit a little bit later starting uh, as well. And it felt a lot more controlled by us. It felt like we were able to go and play our game. Everybody looked fit. Um, everybody was was playing well. They'd seen the benefit of having the long pre-season. A big difference. The results were, as, as I've just said, the results were pretty similar, but the performances, it felt like, were almost better or or we were they were easier for us. We could do slightly less and still score at the same level and still play at the same level. This year, I think we're going to be seeing a little a little bit of both we probably need to be at our full level to play fantastically and score lots of goals but we're still kind of controlling games as we did last year so it's interesting to compare the three would you would you agree that maybe the first year it was so frenetic and we we had that tension that you mentioned and we had to go to the well for every single game that maybe contributed to that drop-off and we sort of learned from it last year and this season it might end up being the best of both worlds
5: yeah, the key difference between 2019-20 and the the next ball and two seasons, including this one, is we were the insurgency in 2019-20. We were the we were the underdogs, not the top dogs like we are now. And what I mean by that is it was very frenetic because we were having to kind of put in the emotion, put in the graft, put in the put in the kind of hard yards just to try and get over the line in in games that we haven't had to do, eh, especially last season, because it was so emotional and because it did feel so. So desperate to get it done that year, and you know, I don't think the point that you're making go undervalued. We played a season by January. That's that's a season's worth of fixtures in there. You're gonna get leggy, and one of the key differences between 2019, 20 2020 and 2021 is we weren't able to conserve our energy through games in the way that we could last season. So when you think of going again to a tough away ground, especially in the the winter months in Scotland. You can't go full pale all the time where you will just burn yourself out. I don't care if you've got a winter break in there to go and recharge; it will catch up with you in the end. And it did in 2019-20 because we didn't have that ability or or confidence to just be able to go and get the job done and do enough. We didn't. We weren't able to, or didn't feel we could go to an away ground, away ground, get a result. Hold on to it. We had to give hundred percent every single time just to get the three points. And look, on paper it might have been a fantastic start, and it might have kept us within touching distance. But we were working very hard just to stand still a lot of the time in that table in a way that we weren't last year, where we could go in the kind of harsh winter months to boggy pitches and backwater places in in the, in the Premier League I just do enough. There's one that kind of springs to mind just for Christmas last year actually, and that's two 0 away to Submerdon, a game that. Probably should just be forgotten for all it was worth. It wasn't a great game, but we just went, took a two and a lead, and that was fine. And we just conserved energy for the bigger game, which was against Hibs on Boxing Day. And that's something that we weren't able to do in the previous seasons. And that's something that this season and obviously last season, I feel, is what we have been able to do. And that's a kind of a big difference for me. But having that confidence now of being the champions, we've got over the line before, we know how to do it now, that's massive. Absolutely massive. And you you mentioned there about coasting. Look, there is an issue if if certain players aren't putting in the effort we can week out, but that's a separate conversation. Just being able to do enough when you have to and turning it on when you can, I I don't think that's a quality that can be undervalued. Because when, as as David said, when we've had to, we've done the business so far, domestically, at least not in Europe. But that, that ability to just be a wee bit more controlled, conserve your energy and just get the job done when you have to, that is what wins your leagues at the end of the day. And that is one of the key differences between 2021 20, 20, and hopefully twenty one twenty two.
3: What about what about pre season, Laura? And let's let's compare uh, this season uh, and last season. Obviously, pre season last year, we I don't know when they started back on on the grass. I'm, I think it was uh, late May, early June, possibly. Obviously, there was smaller sessions. They were able to do more physical work. There was a lot of time between. Um, lockdown and and then on zoom uh, dealing with tactical instruction uh, how we handle set pcs all that sort of stuff that that technically could be done theoretically without without players being there so we we don't have an insight into all of that stuff that happens but what we do know is that this year has been very very disrupted with um internationals uh, international tournaments with covid with quarantine with new players coming in you compare that to last year it was an absolute genie in a bottle they were in a literal bubble no hassle nobody away to playing international football in the summer the players had nowhere to go they didn't go on holiday anything like that how much of a difference do you think that makes in terms of in terms of preparation um i, I get the management team would probably have try to replicate that as much as they could this year but given the unprecedented level of flux and injuries etc that we've spoken about quite a few times on the network how how big a difference do you think those those two um pre-seasons have made to, to the start this year
1: I think it made quite a significant difference, if I'm being honest. Um, when you think of the players that have been had the disrupted start, the vast majority of them have been what we would consider to be the first pick player in their position. And I think the chopping and changing because of people back late from Euros, people getting COVID, stuff that couldn't be helped, definitely had an impact on on the pitch. There's, there's no way that it didn't. Um, and I think another thing that I think helped last season is that we started Europe earlier than we started the league, I believe. So you got a bit of momentum started with playing like your... Did we play Lincoln Red Imps last year? I don't think we did. But we, yeah, played- we did. It was in oh, September yeah. last
5: year. We played, we'd started the league before the qualification last year, 1st of August, I believe we played Aberdeen. And it was mid-September before the qualification started for Europe.
1: So I'm wrong. Um, but anyway, we had a good pre-season anyway last year with the different friendlies like Motherwell and stuff like that. And I definitely do think this pre-season has impacted to our sort of slower start, certainly in the league and in Europe, definitely.
3: David, we, we spoke last year about, oh, it's going to be really different with, with this pre-season. They're not going to get away. We don't know what the training's going to be like. They're all having to change in separate changing rooms and travel elsewhere. It's going to be really difficult for for players to settle in. Um, It didn't really turn out that way uh, at all. and It's worth, I think, next season locking them all up for three (laughs) months, basically, and and saying, right, go and replicate that again. But when you think about that, it it was an absolute genie in a bottle. It's it's an interesting study as to why it worked so well for us um, when you could argue there was no one else really certainly in Scotland that, that it worked to that level for I think that probably comes down to the work that the coaching team have done on the on the training pitch and on Zoom etc but it was unprecedented and I think again it's a difficult one to compare to this year even if we hadn't had all of this flux with injuries and, and quarantines etc
4: Yeah This is actually, I think, a really interesting and probably under-discussed thing um, because I think all of us just assumed, well, with things opening up and, you know, things getting more back to normal, then the phrase says it all, doesn't it? Things will get back to normal. Whereas last season, we weren't really affected by COVID. The reason for that was the players were tightly in a bubble and and Rangers enforced that bubble Um, they really did and Rangers were one of the clubs that took an awful lot of care such as you know little things like players only in the same group of three to make sure that if there was an outbreak they knew exactly who it was and who it was limited to etc Rangers were very very careful and the players were locked up, and I think totally 100% focused on the title. Now, you could argue, actually, that that might have had an effect in the Cups, and that, that that's possibly true, but that team was just zooming in on a goal, just absolutely zooming in on a goal. And this season, the world's opened back up a bit, but that's increased the risk of COVID, and we've been affected by it, as you know a lot of teams have, because they're young people, and they have lives, and they have kids, and, you know... And, we're all slightly at risk of COVID, except me, because I don't go out anymore But um, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think there was an assumption that we made that while logical, hasn't quite panned out that way. I think that there was, let's face it, a bit of a hangover. It would be silly to say that it wasn't. And how could there not be? This is something we all wanted so much and the players wanted. And we also talk about, you know, Stephen Gerrard, that league title to him was enormous. You know, he came here because he had a chance of winning a league title. He could have taken a job in the championship. You know, the way that, that Lampard did. Yep, he could. He could probably have taken a job at the lower end of the Premiership, really, as his first job because of who he is. But it was enormous for him to win that title. And we'll win more titles. I personally think we'll win one this season. Um, but. Uh, I don't think in my lifetime there's ever going to be another league title that's as emotional as 55 was. I really don't. Uh, I think that given the circumstances and having lived through what we all lived through, it was enormous. And and there was always going to be a come down from it. That's maybe a better way than a hangover. There was always going to be a period of, of retrenchment. And I, I kind of compare it to... See, when you're getting married and you you generally book it what about a year out yeah and then all oh, you think about for the the whole year and it's such a good laugh because you know you're you're planning towards it and you're doing things and you're talking about it and you're looking forward to it. And then you have the day and it's amazing. Then you go off on holiday and it's fantastic. Then you come back and you're like, right, what now? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, anyone who's who's done that will know what I'm talking about. You sit sort of looking and go, right, okay. Uh ah. Um, and I think there was an element of that too. It. And it has taken a wee while for us to get refocused. I don't care what anybody says. And in a way, the criticism, I believe, has probably helped, much in the same way as when we all talk about, you know, the negativity of Ibrox. We've seen Rangers teams get going on the back of us kicking their ass. I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, it can be too much. If you're the type of guy who goes in and it's nil-nil and you're screaming at somebody because he misplaced a pass in the opening minute. Yeah, right. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about legitimately driving almost in a wider sense has that the players have went right we get it we did win the league it was magic but come on um and I think there has been that that refocusing of it I I do think that the performances haven't been great form has not been great I think anyone trying to say that would be deluding themselves I think there's been patches in quite a lot of the games some games there's been none of it. I thought we were absolutely dreadful for example against Dundee. I thought we were absolutely dreadful against Prague but I think that there have been patches in most other games where you go actually, you know, we played pretty well there for a bit. It's putting it together for 90 minutes first of all and then for a month and then for two months but they are all capable of that. I I really like the victory against Hibbs because yeah, you know, we got the the bonus ball of, of Portis being sent off but you still have to go and make that count. You still have to go and do something with like that. You still have to deliver. And I thought in the second half, despite the side, you know, as I say, not quite far enough, you could see them just going, no, come on, let's, you know, let's, that's the target. I think this team, when it focuses on something is pretty good. And, and I sense they're beginning to let go stuff from the past and begin now to focus on, right, what can this season offer us?
3: Ross, um, let's talk about the football then, as David mentioned. Let's move on to to talking specifically about the season and and the games. Um, Again, I'll hark back to last season as a quick comparison, but that Livingston game, there was the discussion where we, I believe we had Kamara and Jack playing in that game. Um, I I think it maybe happened another twice last year. One was, was Benfica away and another game which escapes from memory right now, but it didn't happen too much. Obviously, Arfield had his, uh, Jack had his injury problems towards the, the end of the season, but there was a lot of, uh, a lot of contention about it after that game. And I think it's it's where um, Jack Amara was, was coined or, or certainly it reached. It's its Nadir, if you like, in terms of how similar the players were, were perceived to be. Um, but there was a bit of chat there from the manager at that point about whether or not he needed to take the handbrake off. He, he mentioned that a couple of times. In relation to the fullbacks, but then also in relation to to the midfield. My question is here: is do we think the handics back on? Because last year, for the most part, it was Kamara and Davis playing. However, when you boil it down, they are still two players who primarily refocus, keep possession keep things neat and tidy. Obviously, Kamara is much improved in terms of going forward and building, but he's still not that creative attacking player, certainly not one that can impact the the box. So, appreciate the players are the same, but is there a potential that the handbrake is back on? Joe Aribo has played mostly in central midfield. If you compare it to last year, it was Scott Arfield who was playing there at, at this time. Scott Arfield gets more goals and more assists than, than Joe Aribo does. He, he plays in a more vertical way, is the best way I can describe it. Joe will link and he'll he'll be nice and he'll he'll get moves, he'll weigh down the sides, etc. But Arfield pretty much just makes a beeline for the box whenever he's got the ball or when someone in front of him has got the ball. Are we missing some of that? Whilst we are playing to a a level, as David mentioned, in, in certain parts of games, we don't have that freedom that we had before. Is it something as simple as we're missing maybe someone like Kent and someone like Arfield who can just drive and, and cause issues? Maybe we're playing too many ball players at the minute and trying to control and suffocate when, when really we maybe want to get back to that um, handbake off of this time last year.
5: Uh, quite possibly. Um, on, on the note of the kind of Jack and against Livingston, I've been on record before saying I think that was a wee bit of a blessing in disguise at a time because the penny did seem to properly drop at that point. That having that that level of that level of control, maybe, if that's the right way to put it, against those teams isn't really what you need. You do need a wee bit of anarchy at times just to be able to create something against that kind of low block. And that that was the game that it did seem to kind of finally hit home the management team that, no, this isn't the way to go. We don't need it. It's not necessary. It's actually quite, quite destructive in a lot of ways. So I, in terms of the handbrake being on now, I think disruption and the kind of... In the midfield and in the front three, kind of has a lot to do with that. So we spoke about it the other day, didn't we? So fifteen games a season, twelve different front threes, twelve different back fives, eight different midfield three midfield threes. So I think we don't have that kind of consistency in selection. It might feel a wee bit more like the handbrakes on than it actually is, because what's the what's been the biggest issue with Rangers this season, guys? We're being totally honest, is a lack of creativity. When we actually get uh, to, to the edge of the box, it's something that Stephen Gerrard spoke about as well with the Motherwell game. I don't know we keep talking about it, but that that was something he mentioned. They were excellent box to box, but in that final third, we didn't actually have the creativity to actually go and kill the game. So, in terms of the the midfield maybe being played with a handbrake on, I'm not entirely sure that's the case because people can play in that midfield, and I. I like him further forward, but he can fill in there. But you would have liked to have seen more of Haji, but that's been disrupted because of injury and COVID. Alvey was late back, Kent's out injured. When you have that level of disruption, I think it's natural that you might opt to to play in a way that's a wee bit more controlled, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense to anyone. Whereas I think if you had that consistency in selection that we've not been able to have, and that's not really anyone's fault, it's just the way that it has been, unfortunately, then you probably would have a wee bit more Freedom of expression, if, if, that, if that's a way to put it, in the way that we did see last year for a, a lot of the games that we played. But the fact that we've not been able to have that, we've had to had to play players. I mean, for example, that Lundstrom, Davis, Kamara midfield three is just not something I ever really want to see again in my lifetime, to be honest. Unless that's an away game in Europe, then it's just an absolute non-starter for me because you just don't have the level of creativity to support the front three from that midfield three that, that you would like to have, especially not domestically. So if you have that consistency in selection and you, you manage to kind of build up that, that momentum from that, then yeah, absolutely, there's a conversation to have. But when you aren't able to kind of get that going on a regular basis, then yeah, I think it's maybe only natural that you feel as though you put the handbrake on a wee bit more than what you'd like.
3: David, that, that leads me on to the, the example there. Um, Ross mentioned the, the only domestic game that we've lost so far Dundee United. Looking back now, Lundstrom, Davis and Kamara for that game it is a little bit handbrake on. Lundstrom has moved deeper in the last couple of weeks so the comparison is probably better now but essentially that that's a Jack, Davis and Kamara in, in a domestic game which I don't think we're personally at the stage where we don't need that at all but if we did it would only really be in, in maybe a, a big away game uh, Celtic for example if we, we really needed that so looking back at that now is there maybe an element of because of all the injuries, because of the the it was in between the Malmo games, etc. He's maybe went a little bit of safety first in that game and tried to, to nick something and it's not really materialized.
4: Yeah, I mean I think it's something we've said really throughout his tenure in here is that Stephen Gerrard's natural tendency as a manager is conservative. Um he he does like to make sure the, the back door's locked down. I think that early in the season, firstly there weren't a lot of options. <laughs> there were injuries, uh, there were COVID situations and you think, well, you know, they're three good players. I'll ask him to play a wee bit further forward. It'll be all right. What you had there was, as you say, the Jack Kamara um, Davis midfield, but with someone who didn't actually know what what he was doing in that mm-hmm. midfield. And I don't mean by that that he's a close footballer, but I mean, he didn't know the tactical setup yet. John Lundstrom didn't. Um, and therefore it was, just a mess uh, and it really was but there was no creativity in it I think there's a couple of reasons for it firstly is the defense has been chopping and changing so much that it must be tempting to go well I'll stick in another layer of protection just now because if you know that you've got your defense and it's he does change it a a fair bit let's be honest but if he's got you know the two fullbacks that are regularly there to have in, in Barisic, and he's got uh, Goldson plus one other, Helander, Balligan, and they're all fit and they're all playing well. Then he's pretty confident to to leave them to it and maybe just put one in front of them. I think when he's got concerns about it, that's when you begin to see the two the, the two going in there. And the other problem is something Ross touched on earlier, which is that the front players, especially then, but you know even you know up until recently, I would argue. They, they weren't creating anything. I mean, it really was that simple. Kent was banging out of form. Laura mentioned it earlier. He was trying hard. He was just banging out of form and then he was carrying an injury. Um, We were getting nothing from him. Sakala, bits and bobs from him. Alfie was away late back and then, you know, it, it's, it's taken him a wee while to get up to speed. Ruth has been very similar in that regard, although he's looked sharp in a number of games and he's got a good amount of goals. There's been other games where he's just not been on it at all. So I don't think he felt he had the he had the you know the the either side of the team really that day had him playing well. Uh, and I think that he thought, right, we'll lock the back door down. I, I have faith that one of the special players will do something and we'll get the we'll get the result. And of course it didn't work out. And and it should have at least been a nil nil, to be honest, because yeah. um, you know, it was a mistake and then a break for the goal. But that can happen when you don't carry a threat. Um I think in other matches this season that when the team has played with a wee bit more fluidity and has made chances, because we can't say the, the United game is the only game we didn't make any chances in. You know, we didn't make an awful lot at Dundee and we made zero in Prague, mm-hmm. um, bar bar one header. I think our XG from open play was something like zero point zero nine, which is Jesus. You get that for kicking off. You know, it it, it was it was absolutely nothing at all because we just didn't offer a threat. So I I think that. Managers don't look at things in isolation. You know, they don't look at, well, well, I just play this midfield because these are the choice of my midfielders. You look at who's up front, you look at how they're playing, you look at the level of opposition. Uh, And I do think that, that Gerard's natural conservatism will mean that when he's maybe a little unsure. We know this with substitutions, for example. Gerard's not really a bold user of substitutes. The fact that we all commented, us, the patrons, other podders, on the attacking substitutions on Sunday, it's because it's out of character. He doesn't really do that. He doesn't take off a midfielder and put on an attacker. And would he have done it if we were, you know, if we weren't playing ten men? That's that's a question. So I think his natural conservatism will assert itself because we all go back to, you know, our, our, our basics if you like when things aren't aren't going too well. But again, I go back to you know, Ruth will have, he's, he's great, and Ruth will be inconsistent, we, we, he's too old now, you know, we we're too far into Kamaru's career to expect him to suddenly be fit for every game and be consistent in them, that's not who he is, but we will get that two, three months spell out of him where he's dynamite, Kent will rediscover his form um, and get back to it. Alfie's starting to get in among the goals again and looking a wee bit more like the Alfie that we know. I just tend to think that over the next couple of months, this Rangers team will begin to put its foot down. I think it'll be very similar to Walter. And I think we could be sitting here in February, you know, well ahead and being frustrated by the odd, stupid performance, bad drop points. I think it could be. That's why I do see a lot of echoes of of Rangers teams in the past. Um, But again, I'm kind of coming to the idea that this is the last we'll see of this team this season. I think it will be freshened up. I think people will leave uh, and new players will come in. Uh, in the summer. So I think that this side is probably reaching the end of its cycle. It's four years. um, And I think that uh, we're we're seeing now that maybe there's some of them that fancy or need a new challenge. Maybe there's some of them who are beginning to kind of look at the next move. But I, I still think that once, you know, everything settles down and it seems to be and we go into that spell and, and it's winter and it's just football, 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 football. I think that's when this Rangers team will, will go and assert it itself.
3: Yeah, it feels like, well, it is four years, but when you think about if if they were playing for a for a Brighton or whatever, it's probably closer to six years in terms of the actual volume of games and you think of the, the kind of relentlessness of it as well. So I, I kind of don't blame um, some of the players if you're getting to that point and, and it's not necessarily needing a new challenge, but maybe just fatigue. So I, I happen to agree. I think at the end of this year, there's a a high number of contracts that will be going out in 18 months time so either we need a flux of contracts coming in or we may see some leaving it's going to be one of those one of those summers Um, Laura just touching on David's point with regards to Hibs uh, and the, the manager's substitutions Um, as de- as I said earlier on about Livingston sometimes so- something within game can give the manager confidence and he'll then go and make those those tweaks and hopefully uh, as David said we see that this sh- Year coming, it was essentially Lundstrom and then Hadji and as as number eights uh, ahead of him, and I think it really made a difference. It allowed us just to build play through the middle as well as as well as wide. Um, it, it could be as as David said, would he have done it if we weren't getting beat? Probably not, but that doesn't mean it, it didn't work, and it doesn't mean that it's maybe going to give him confidence to do this in the future. Could you could you see that as being a a possible option? Could we see a, a midfield three like that again in one of these kind of games? And do you think it would it would Give us a big benefit.
1: Um, I liked it obviously because it got us the win. Um, I don't see any reason why we couldn't try it again. For example, when we're playing the likes of a Dundee at home, there's no reason why we couldn't do it. Um, in that game, but like for example, if we hadn't been getting beat, we wouldn't have tried it because we wouldn't have had to. Uh, but it was good to see that the manager does and have something different rather than the let's just keep crossing it from the full-backs and eventually we're going to score from them. I know we did eventually score from them against Hibs, but it showed that he was thinking that I need to try something different to give the Hibs defence something different to think about and then that might allow my full-backs to get in and get get the killer crosses in, which they eventually did on Sunday.
3: Yeah, and it was interesting as well to note the manager's uh, post-match, I think it was, comments that, that Scott Arfield would have played. Um, I think for anybody that listens to Tactics Talk or anything that, that I do, you'll know I'm a big Scott Arfield fan. I think the the importance that he, he had last season, David, in that this time where he, he didn't play very much, well, he did, but I think he played uh, 10 or 11 league games and got four goals last year. I just think that really, really helped us out. Um, incidentally, if anybody wants to read more about how much that helped us out, then there's a really fantastic book coming out in January, which I suggest you, you buy a copy of. But nonetheless, David, I thought those only comments could, were...
4: Only you could get a book out after Christmas. I
3: know, I know. Um, nonetheless, David, I, I really think that that was a big part of, of last season. And I thought it was interesting to note that he's not been seen very much this year at all. But it was interesting that he was in the manager's thoughts for, for that game.
4: Yeah, definitely. I, I see the period that you're talking about when he came in, he got the goal of, uh, off the bench against the D. United and he was brilliant in that last 20 minutes and then he just took it on. He just yep. took it on from there and he was vital in Europe for us. You know, gold against Galatasaray, golden in the group stages, um, goal away to Hibs. I know he missed a, a good chance for the win there, but still. And he was, he was he was contributing and he was bringing this sort of drive from that midfield area that we don't really have. And even someone like is a different type of player. rebo has got loads of skill, but Scott Arfield, you know, doesn't have feet like Joe Aribo, very few people do, but he he he's got this I will get from A to B very quickly with this ball. Um and and it unsettles defenses. The the reason we the reason I like the second half on Sunday is that we mixed it up. We were shooting from outside the box not very well, but we were doing it. We were getting the ball wide and crossing. The strikers were moving and we were trying to play through them. Loads of little give-and-goes, one-twos, intricate passing movements around the box. And what that combined to do was to make Hibs uncertain, because it's really easy to do what we did in the second half against Motherwell, which is just one tactic endlessly, and Motherwell were able to set. They knew they didn't have to get out quickly to break, uh, to, to block on the edge of the box because a shot wasn't coming in. They knew that they didn't have to make sure that they were you know watching every bit of movement because they were trying to we were trying to play through them they knew that they were dealing with crosses and when a team can set that way then it gives them a confidence level. And Hibbs got pulled all over the place the other day. Now, not the moves weren't coming off all the time, I understand that. But what it did was create that space, create that confusion. And I think Arfield does that as well, because he offers something different. He says to them, you know, we do have players that will be trying the we one-touch stuff. We do have these great uh, full-backs with their um, amazing delivery. And you know they're going to get one right in a game. That's the thing about them, that even if you keep them quiet or they're not having a good game, they're still going to be... We saw it at the weekend, didn't we? I I thought, you know, Barisic and Parsons didn't have good first half. Second half, they produced those two. And when we mix it up like that, what we do is that we spread confusion in the opposition defence. They don't quite know what the next attack... what angle it's going to come at, you know, how it's going to come to them. And last season, we were so good at that, where even if, you know, the first half we were moving teams about we were tiring them and they would make mistakes in the second half they would they would make errors they would lose a man or they would not quite get there to the to the block or whatever and rangers would take advantage of that so i think that last season we learned that you've got your core players and that'll always be a case any football team but last season i think proved that we do need these spells from ruth from uh, Arfield for example from Hadji, we need these guys who maybe aren't automatic picks all the time, although I think you know when fit Ruth is, but when they come in, give us something, even if it is a bust of 10-12 games, give us something um, and I think that that's maybe been something we haven't had this season but to go right back to the start of course nobody's been available every game, it's not been possible for somebody to go and do that 10-12 game run yeah, I Absolutely. think I think that's
5: a, sorry. I was gonna say I think that's a really good point because when you think of last season, you think of the team almost sort of sharing that burden of responsibility in a way that we've not been able to this year. So, and Kent started off an absolute flyer last year. Then it was Arfield. Then it was Hadji, and then Roof, and then you had Morellos come into it kind of after Christmas. That's something we've not been able to do this year because I'm gonna say like a broken record. It's about the the lack of consistency in selection. And uh, as I continually say, it's nobody's fault. You know, we can't control injuries, we can't control Covid and we can't you know, control what players can do in their free time not the way that we could last year but the more the more we get players back and the more consistent we become in terms of our selection, in terms of our form, in terms of our results we'll have that again because the players like, like mentioned earlier on, Ryan Kent's too good a player not to find his form again, it will happen we'll get a spell out of Ruth, we'll get a spell out of Hadji you know these players will come good for us at different parts of the season and you know in a tight game where you know, it's, it's edgy, maybe Ibrox is a wee bit tense or you're kind of stuffy away ground. They are starting to piss you off. It's just a low block. You just need one moment from one of your special players to get you over the line. We had that last season and when we get these players back, we'll have it again this season.
4: This is something that uh, I hear a lot about, for example, Tav's goal. Tav's goal at St Johnston, And, you know, people, when when they're angry... Um, after, you know, a poor performance the following weekend and say, well, you can't rely on that, you know, somebody bringing in a, a, a 25-yarder. Actually, when you're a good team, yes, you can, because you know that you've got too many options, that one of them is likely to fire. Once in a blue moon, they all won't, is the idea. But overall, and it's not just us, you watch Liverpool well, if Manny doesn't get you Salah, well, if Salah doesn't get you Jota, well, if Jota doesn't get you Firmino, you know, the fullbacks backs Trent will do it. That's the point. That's why you have so many good players in a side. The days of, you know, Ali McCoy gets all our goals, that, that's a long, long time ago. It's a different era in football. So that is something that I think we need to remember, that, yeah, you can do exactly what Ross is saying, that these tight away games someday We'll come up and hit it. The problem that we've had so far this season is that we haven't had that person who's been in that that spell, who's been in that run of form. And collectively, they've had to sort of grit their teeth and just try and power through it. And and domestically, at least, they have. The problem with Europe comes that at that level, you can't do that. We're not good enough to do that. You can't grit your teeth and get through it because the teams you're coming up against are just too technically good. Domestically, you can do that. We saw it against Dundee. You know, the way we played against Dundee, then we you know, go to Prague and the mistake gets punished. That It doesn't against Dundee. That is the difference. And that, that can become an issue down the line, Adam. You and I grew up in the 90s where it was a huge issue for Rangers. That, and, and I think you could even argue it happened to Celtic during their recent period of success, that you knew that domestically you were going to have enough, more often than not. The vast majority of the time. You went into Europe and that didn't work. And you couldn't just flick a switch. And suddenly it was all happening for you. It doesn't work like that. So that long term is possibly something we'll need to look at. Um I just think that yeah, we we, we could, you know, we could have a situation where they all hit form because they haven't been in form, they all hit form collectively and we're battering teams left, right, and centre. But there is definitely something to be said for being able to cycle guys in and out of the side and get your two, three months at this attacking creative player and then your two, three months at this cre- Brilliant if we get, you know, if Ryan Kent comes back and he's nine out of ten every week from the end of the season, that's superb. But the reality is that we'll still need other guys during certain fallow periods for other players.
5: Because fun- fundamentally you acquire special players so they can give you special moments. And I don't see how that can be a detraction from from them or the team in any kind of way. What you said about Europe was right, you know, that can't carry in Europe. But even then, we've relied on Morelos a lot in Europe to bail us out of jail. But, I mean, let's let's be honest; we would not have but progressed. Again, you,
4: in, no, yeah, but I would I was, argue at that point we were overachieving, though. You know, we, yeah. we, you know, we we knew that we would need our special players to be, you know, or our most special player at that time to be special. That's absolutely true. I think that domestically, you can say we have got seven, eight players to cycle in and out of the side for four positions, right? And yeah, we do expect on a match day that one of them will do something magical. We do expect that. That thing, oh, you can't rely on them. Yes, that, that's why we pay them. That, yes. you know, in much the same way as when Celtic fans get upset about, we well, only won because Alan McGregor made saves. Yes! That's, that's why he's in the team. That's, that's why he's employed by Rangers. And it's similarly with the attacking players. So yet, no, I do expect, I don't expect Tav to put a 25 yarder away every week, but I do expect Kent to create something. I do expect Ruth to find himself on the end of something. I do expect Morelos to do so. I expect one of them to do it. And last season, that was what was happening. And our best spells, we had three or four of them on top floor. Um, but even when we went we had at least one or two of them on form and that was carrying us. And of course another thing that is the defence was locked down and that's definitely something that we can improve on this year. I
3: think this is why this is why I can't take uh, much criticism of, of guys like Haji and, and Rufi. We forget before the the Celtic game and uh some injuries are is, is they really worth it? Um Haji seems to get it all. But certainly last season. It's why I can't take that. Well, I can't take it seriously, but they are moments players. We've had players before who, Parasites, Tavernier, Kent, Morelos in the 1920 season, who would go at it, give you great performances more often than not, week in, week out. Then, as we said, when either they get a bit jaded or their fallen falls off a cliff, it seemed to happen with Kent and Morelos for quite a number of spells throughout those first two seasons. There was nobody picking up the slack. That's what happened. I- Roof come in for me, they come in and, and they might not have the best game, they might not be involved they might look knackered but you cannot argue with the goals and assists that they both bring to the team and that's what for me it is, it's about sharing the load. Um, I, I personally on a selfish level don't care if Kamar Roof doesn't move from that little inch of goal, as I've said many many times if the ball falls to one of our players in the box, Kamar Roof if the ball falls to one of our players outside of the box who has to make the make the pass, which is the assist, if their life depends on it, it's Yanis Hadji. So having those players in the team, just because they might not fit in every single game for 90 minutes and they're undisputed number one picks in their position, that's what the squad's for. And they're not squad players. They are first team players that don't play every week. As far as I'm concerned, I think that is that is the big difference from from two years ago. Yeah, they'll be icing
4: on the cake, players, aren't Absolutely.
3: they? They're the, guys who, they're the guys who take us...
4: For being, and I think that was proven last season. And hell, I'd even chuck out that they all did something that at the end of the season you could look back and say, well, they all, you know, all like, yeah, there and there and there. And that was what we had lacked. We had a good team. We didn't have a title winning team. When we added that extra layer, we had a title winning team. And I think that. Again, that will come this season. Now, we, we, I still expect Haji, by the way, to step it up this year and become more consistent. And I still think once he gets a good runner that he will. I still expect Kenny to come back and be better than he was previously because he's at the age where he should be improving year on year. So I still have you know, a lot of hopes for this. But I think we've been in a weird situation where none of our creative players have been on form. And yet we are where we are. I, I, I think, just I don't see I Seven or well, I just don't see seven or eight really talented creative players being out of form for a whole season. I just don't.
5: I, I was gonna say, I think Haji for me is quite indicative of the improvement that we've had in a squad year on, year out. You bang on there, call him a moments player. When you think of the Haji came in, in nineteen season nineteen twenty. The other moments player that we had signed in nineteen twenty was Sheojo. Ojo. Now, the problem with Sheojo Ojo being a moments player is he gave you fuck all in the way of moments. Whereas Haji does mm-hmm. like now, look, you might go a couple of games without it but he, he will give you and he he was a very large part of why why we won that league last season where it be through goals and assists and tight games so you know he might not do anything for 90 minutes and people might not like that for me that's not the type of player would expect him to be he might not do much for 89 minutes but in the one minute he does do something you've got a goal out of it and that is what Giannis is and for me that that is just a kind of cherry on top of the cake and indicative of what the squad has become under Stephen Jarrell over the last couple of years and I think the Early part of the season, there's been quite a bit of negativity. Everyone's kind of felt a wee bit down. Maybe that kind of come down, regression, hangover, whatever you want to call it from last year. But this is still a really good team, still a really good squad and they're champions for a reason and probably going to be champions again for a reason. And I think in that and that sense, we
3: maybe need to be a wee bit more patient with them going forward. I think cherry on top of the cake is a, a nice analogy. And to, to continue that, you need to have the cake there first before you can buy these these type of players. They, they, they won't work in a team that doesn't, function tactically um and i think we see that certainly over over the 18 months or so that haji has been here and just over a year that the roof's been here laura we're going to finish up final question um to you do we write off players too early um the two examples that that come to mind here is john lundstrom um we did the talking teds about a month ago with myself david alex and and david marshall um i think if we did it again today it, it would be different in terms of how we think John Lindstrom is is going to uh, settle in uh, at Rangers. And then the other one is, is not really a new signing, although we did re-sign him again this summer. It was Leon Balogun. There was a lot of flack after um, after Malmo and after Ross County, I think, from Balogun. I've seen more than a few people saying they would rather we just free them there and then. Um, I think both of them, certainly in the last three three games, three or four games, have, have arguably been our, our best players. So... We know we have high expectations and we know we we have fast reactions, but is there maybe a little bit of a learning point in there for us not to write off players too early based on early season form?
1: Uh, Yeah, the support definitely do write off players too early and I've been guilty of it with some players myself as well. But the thing is, we never seem to learn because we've seen it in the past where players like for example Barisic I would have sold him after his first season I was like I can see it but he's just not getting it and now he's one of the key players in our team so I think I've now keep that in the back of my mind when I'm thinking of the likes of of Lindstrom Um, obviously I wasn't going to write him off after two bad games but I did think when he got sent off against Alersker at Ibritz I thought that was very typical of of Lundstrom watching him for Sheffield United that he, he will get a red card and it probably won't be his last red card for Rangers this season but I think he will be a relatively good signing for us over the course of his contract yeah, but the support definitely don't give give people time to adjust and I th- I've heard a lot of chat that Lundstrom was coming from a team that don't use the ball in the way that we use it so it is going to take him time to adjust from going to one team to another. And just because they don't hit the ground running right away doesn't mean that they're not going to be good players. It's when it's... Maybe if we're getting to the end of the first season and you've seen nothing to suggest that they're going to be a player, maybe that's the time to say maybe we should move him on.
3: Ross, I'll well, so finish up with you on that one then. The flip side of that, that, that Lindstrom has had his position changed and that's where we've seen the benefit come in. So again, that's maybe a a learning from the, the coaching staff or or a tweak that maybe they, they don't think he is the right fit for that right sided central midfield role that they had and, and maybe David sorry, Davis has, has been jaded um and needed that break. Uh so Lundstrom coming in there not necessarily saying it's an accident, but it's maybe just a, a fortuitous thing that we've been he's been moved deep to fill a slot and we've actually realize that that may end up being his, his best position so there's maybe a flip side of that as well rather than it just being as simple as not writing somebody off
5: yeah i mean look you can say whether they stumbled across that as a kind of revelation or not i think it still comes back to the point you shouldn't write off players too early i think a lot of people are very kind of quick to just write off john lundstrom i have possibly went the other way in terms of like I hate writing off players early It one of my kind of biggest bugbearers you need to give people time to adjust i don't care what league you came from, what team you came from, what position you played. You need to give people time to adjust to new, new teammates, new surroundings and new tactics. Now, look, did Lundstrom help himself in those early games? No, he absolutely didn't. I think a lot of people had their minds made up before that Alaskar game. A lot of people certainly did after it. But now you're starting to see that kind of that mindset change within within the fans and him playing in that deeper role in that Davis show if you like, he man the match for a lot of people in the last couple of, like, two, three games possibly. He's been fantastic, and I think when you give people that kind of time and space to adjust, and look, not every player's going to come in and click overnight. It's impossible, but you give players that kind of space and time to adjust, and just give them a little bit of little bit of the benefit of the doubt. A lot of the time, they can come good. We've seen it with Barisic. Like, look, I'm I'm the same as Laura. I see at the end of that that first season, I would have got rid of Barisic in an absolute heartbeat. I wouldn't have had any complaints if we had sold him. But you then see the flip side of it and see what he done and he brought it back and is now a superstar and a mainstay in the, in this team and that kind of shifted my mindset a wee bit about how much time and how much how much benefit I doubt I'm willing to give players because I don't want I don't like writing players off but I think if you give them the time and space to actually come in bed into the tactics bed into the new surroundings and yeah they can come good and whether that means a slight positional change for them as you said played in a Davis show yeah that's maybe one thing to do with it but he's now getting the feel of the club a lot more. He knows what it means now in a way that it'd be impossible for him to fully grasp before he actually came and got bedded into the side. So should we write-off players too early? No, we absolutely shouldn't, but we're never going to learn our lessons on that. RB will be the same next summer and the summer afterwards. It's just something you can't need to live with, but it is one of my biggest bugbearers for sure.
3: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And David, David, I guess, Lindstrom played... Has played really well as as the six over the last couple of games. If he was to then move back to a number eight, because he's got that confidence of playing well and playing in the team, and he's he's had more games, he's he's improved. He probably will end up being better in the number eight than than he was six weeks ago. That's just the nature of the beast. It's confidence.
4: Nah, I'm not entirely sure about that. Um, I, I I've mentioned this on the flagship that the manager says well, you know, he can play as the six or an eight. Yeah, it doesn't mean he should. Um, mm-hmm. he's a six um sh- do we have better options at eight but well, we should have I. so yeah um uh, great that he he was willing to step in there and I think it shows uh, uh it shows that he's you know a team player in his game but I would like to think that we will always have a because if we're talking about not needing two defensive midfielders if if Lundstrom's playing as an eight um you know it's too much is too much yeah so i would like to think we've got better options look we're all guilty of it i think in john Lindström's case he's not helped by the fact that he has that shall we say that build that because you see him in real life by the way and he's not you know there's not an inch of muscle uh, of, of fat on him um but he, he he's got that kind of that football build where he looks uh barrel chested is that the word um when Stalky. he's playing Stalky, yeah, and and he's not. It just when he's up next to these, you know, incredibly <laughs> yeah. thin, muscly, wiry people. Um, but I think that didn't help. The fact he was confused looking didn't help. I think that people put, will immediately go, oh, he's not interested. Just because we've been burned by people coming from down south, thinking, oh, I should be a doddle up here. I'll just come and, you know, spray it about that let, let PLO and, and they'll love me. And then, you know, get their arse handed to him. In a way, I think that it might be long-term to our benefit that he came and He had such a torrid start because if he, and I'm not saying he did, I'm just saying if he entertained thoughts like that, then they are gone. Yeah. Um, he doesn't seem like that. He seems quite a humble guy. He seems willing, he's clearly willing to learn. Um. He's clearly willing to, believe it or not, you know, there are a lot of footballers, and we know this, that would have already been decided that this isn't for them, and to would be saying to their agent to get them you know, alone in January and down the road, and and he hasn't done that. He's went, nope, I want this. I want to be a part of this, and, and I think that we can overdo, you know, the the, the idea of writing them off because sure, I'm, I, absolutely after Alice Care. There were people, you know, who we were just all so angry with them because it was so stupid um, that we we're like, oh, you know, just get rid. That that's just an idiot reaction. There is a way back. There's always a way back, and that is playing well. And you see it, you know, the, the cheer when he got man of the match on Sunday was huge because people want him to succeed. Um, and I'm even older than these two. I think I'm older than these two combined just about. And I remember what Mark Hately sold after two weeks when it became apparent that he, that Ali McCoy was not getting in the team anymore because of him. So that would just have been the 111 goals that I would have... Uh well he'd scored one by then, so that would just have been a hundred and ten goals for Rangers. I'd have shipped out the door after a week. So uh yeah, you do need to give people time. Sicala's another one. Sakala we might not see the best of this season, incidentally, folks. He's he, everybody's okay with the idea of, you know, buy them, polish them up, get good service and sell them on until we get back to the start of that process. Yeah. When he's going to need time, you know, he's, he's raw as all hell. He needs to learn about time in his runs. He's, he needs to learn about where to be in and around the box. He needs to learn about playing as part of a system. He does. You know, he does. Is he teachable? He looks it. Does he have touch? Does he have pace? Yes. Can he finish? Yes. Well, we're off to a pretty good start. So let's just give him time. These guys were slightly, I think, let down in a way by the people who were already there. They should have been coming into a championship winning team that started off the season, you know, in an ideal world, started off the season like champions and gave them time to settle. And instead they were both chucked into the team with us going, right, come on, turn it around, fix it, you two, fix it. You're the signings. And I think the fact that things have kind of calmed down a bit is actually going to be beneficial to Bakuna because there's not that pressure on him. Nobody's going, get Bakuna on the side. You know, I I think that, and we're beginning and he's, you know, taking his time to settle, he had a bad game in Prague a lot of them did, but he's shown enough that we know that there's ability there and I've got faith in this management team that they can coach ability to to be very productive for us
3: Yeah absolutely, I think they've, they've certainly shown that over the, the three and a bit years so far Okay, that will, will do us for tonight, Laura thank you for joining me
1: Thank you very much for inviting me on
3: No worries, and David, thank you oh, That was great, thanks guys And Ross, thank you very much oh,
5: An absolute pleasure, thanks very much guys
3: And thank you all for listening. Uh, We'll be back in another month or so, probably in the next International Break with another episode of Talking Teds. Thank you.
4: Sports Social Podcast Network.